Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today's podcast, recorded January 23rd, 2022, Sunday. With one of my ongoing goals to be, I don't know, a broader appeal of like, you know, Healthcare is right and education is right. Part of getting there is, and then also the loosing of certain tensions. So this podcast is also kind of a way to kind of hone a particular message, I suppose. And also saying stuff, the same things in a bunch of different ways. Maybe it just sinks in better in different ways, you know. I think if our government country eased a lot of stresses, it could go a long way. One of the ways is uh, is to lessen the control and power that one particular organization has over our society, because uh, this particular organization is focused primarily on things in a big way that don't benefit our society, and in fact seem to have very real negative consequences, but they're things that they actively pursue again and again and again, and in some places are very proud of it. Albeit, you know, slightly timidly, you can kind of tell by the body language from back in 2017 when the Republican Party signed the tax bill with Donald Trump that cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations. You can tell by the body language of some of the ones in the periphery, in the background there, that it was a little awkward that they were so happy about it and actually celebrating it. That was kind of well, it's kind of fucked up, you know, like, yeah, they they were able to convince enough people to vote for them so that they could then cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations. Yeah, that was the first thing they got to way back in 2017. And they were kind of rubbing our noses in it because it's like most people know what that organization is about. But on that particular day, they, they kind of really like gleefully, you know, soaked up in it yeah uh, they're really proud of it they cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations even though that was not their primary platform they might have used words like tax reform and stuff like that but and and being anti-socialist or whatever but they certainly donald trump's primary campaign back in you know 2016 was not let's cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations that's that's not why most of maga voted for him you know, but that's the first thing they did. Yeah. So they were kind of the the Republican Party, the establishment, who kind of knows Trump is a joke and a clown, most of them. Um, we're kind of we're kind of bragging about the fact that they they got away with it. You know. They manipulated thirty something million people into believing that Donald John Trump was like going to protect working class interests. But, you know, why would anyone think that? Such an absurd thing. What was Donald John Trump doing at the time he got the nomination for president back in 2016? He was hosting a game show. Why was he considered a relevant option by the media and such? Well, when that, that show, that game show called The Apprentice, was in its whatever season, seventh or eighth season or something, Donald John Trump started saying racist stuff about Barack Obama. 
started claiming he wasn't born in America. Even though Barack Obama was born in Hawaii, which is indeed a U.S. state, um, Donald Trump claimed that Barack Obama wasn't born in America. I'm not sure if he needs to look at a map and or he doesn't understand that the contiguous United States is just 48 states. The, uh, the 49th and 50 are Alaska and Hawaii. I'm not sure if Donald Trump just didn't know that or, or what the deal is. Barack Obama was born in Hawaii. And Hawaii was indeed already a state at the time. So that, that's it. That, that's. But Donald Trump is a well-known racist going back many years. So Barack Obama was the first African-American president. And Donald John Trump wanted to find some way to to delegitimize it or something or to to invalidate it or the presidency of Barack Obama to somehow do something to to not allow a black man to be president and yes that is what it was about yes that's why he was questioning Barack Obama's citizenship and that is how he became a mainstream political option yeah that's kind of what started the campaign this all this crap about birth certificates and all this stuff and there there even started being these mocks it was a weird time but that was the beginning not really though it wasn't really the beginning of the trump show the trump tv show is in its you know about 45th season or so it's been a couple seasons a couple years there where they took a few years took a couple seasons off you know, because he was kind of socially irrelevant at the time. Um, but then he, he came back with gusto back in the early 2000s. But the Trump show first started back way, way back in the early 70s. Donald Trump and his father refused to rent to minorities. And so those, those minorities sued Donald Trump and his father on behalf of the United States government and eventually settled out of court. Donald Trump renovated an ice hockey rink in the early 80s, as well as a hotel. And then, but after that, it was kind of a series of failures, um, public scandals and stuff, uh, cheating on his wives and stuff, bankruptcy, saying racist things fully out in the public, and actually even paying to have his racist stuff said out loud. He had a cameo in Home Alone 2. He appeared at various WWE events. He was a frequent guest of the Howard Stern Show. And that's what he was. He was just that, that. He was just a celebrity. He wasn't, he was not a successful businessman. Because he was born so wealthy, Donald Trump inherited altogether about $400 million in today's dollars from his father. He was already a millionaire by the time he was about eight years old. He's not self-made by any stretch of the imagination. No, he was simply born into a level of affluence that allowed him to screw up really as often as he wanted and on a huge, epic, grand scale over and over and over and over again. And it just didn't matter. He was still going to be wealthy. And he was still going to be on TV. And in fact, in the early 2000s, just a few short years after his sixth, sixth, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, bankruptcy, that's when he got awarded with his own game show. And he got paid a lot of money to do it, too. It became a big hit. He somehow managed to still lose a shit ton of money, though, even as after that show became a hit again, because he was, cause it kind of went to his head. 
on the show, which is not a reality show nor nor a documentary. It's a game show. It's produced. There's there's writers and all that kind of stuff. On the show, Donald Trump got to play a version of himself. He got to play the Donald Trump persona, a highly successful and respected businessman, of which Donald Trump, the real person, is not those things. Yeah, again, he had nothing going on at the start of the show because U.S. banks had stopped lending him money because the jig was up. He he was a fraud. That, that was already known. But it was the beginnings of kind of, you know, I don't know, deep cable and uh, various internet options, websites and stuff. A lot of different things to distract people and stuff. So I think it just kind of got lost in the fray that he was just a joke. So it was kind of, you know, I always thought the show was meant to be almost like a satire or something. It was meant to be kind of a spoof of business people or something because he's not a successful business person, but you're going to get, you know, recent college graduates from business, for high, from pristine business schools to compete to be his apprentice. You know, it's almost like making fun of business or something and just how kind of stupid it is or something. But I have no idea. You know, I I don't really understand, quite understand why that show was so popular. I, I I saw a few snippets of a few shows here and there over the years, and I just never got into it. Once he got on, mostly once he was on the screen. When it was just the contestants doing various things, that was kind of interesting. But I never really got that into re quote unquote reality TV anyway. But except for the original stuff way back in the day, real world. I actually was alive when the first season of Real World came out. I did watch that when it was on the air. I think it was like 12, maybe. Yeah. Don't remember some of the. There's one dude that died of AIDS, Pedro. And there was the crazy guy, Puck. That dude's probably like in his mid to late 50s now or something if he's still alive crazy to think but they're kind of like elders or something to me in a certain way you know you're like a young teenager and then you see a show of young 20-somethings all interacting with each other it's kind of certainly gain some insight whatever um but yeah donald john trump is just the host of that show business theme game show became a big hit called the apprentice uh, and then after Barack Obama became president, Donald John Trump started saying racist stuff. Now, why that became news—that's really—that's that, kind of the kind of the mystery of our time. You know, famous D-list celebrity and and host of game show The Apprentice, Donald John Trump, is saying racist stuff again. But it wasn't really covered like that. It was more like. Every time he would say the dumb stuff, it, it was like covered live on multiple networks, unedited, little context, you know, more of a just kind of a fanning the flames and just sort of allowing it to breathe. Uh, it was very obnoxious and annoying, but that was kind of the impetus of him becoming a legitimate political candidate is him being, you know, racist. So he knew that, you know, the the you know the seedling of 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 his 2016 campaign was him 
claiming that Barack Obama was not born in America. That that's how it started. That was the you know the the beginning. You know, the true beginning was you know 40 something plus years ago. Just the his fame, you know, in his decades of fame had a certain value. Even though he was famous for being an asshole and and a, a poor executive of companies and stuff, you know, he mismanaged his resources and, you know, ran them into bankruptcy and then just kind of didn't really seem to care about much of anything except making money and being famous. But that fame had a value and, you know, um, that's how he was able to be, get awarded with the show because he, he was famous, you know. I think the Republican Party picking that guy in 2016 was just them kind of you know, it was their turn to win. You know, we only have two options. There had been a Democrat for two terms. Hillary Clinton was not wildly popular, so the Democrats didn't really go with a, you know, a sort of transcendent candidate, like, let's keep this going type thing. It's kind of like, well, let's let's take it back a notch. I know, but this is getting a little scary how, how sort of, kind of, slightly progressive we're getting, but there's still wars going on and stuff. So we're going to go with someone that's kind of still in the realm of kind of your classic democratic establishment nothing there'll be plenty of people to vote for but it's not going to get overwhelming appeal and you're obviously going to still just immediately alienate a certain section because you're like oh no 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 way at all so you know um but mostly it was the republicans turn to win you know certainly hillary clinton was not going to win the only reason the uh, polls said it was because her opponent was you know donald trump you know obviously the polls are going to say that because it's Donald Trump you know um, why would an organization any organization pick him any any organization that's accountable to the public why why would they ever pick Donald John Trump to be its leader you know that certainly raises a lot of questions about that organization's screening process for how they decide who their executive leadership is if you're willing to just hand him the, the keys, you know, just like that. Well, he's really famous. He's got a lot of people really dig him. And they're spread around in just the right way to where, yeah, we might actually be able to win with this guy, possibly. Like, it, and that was, so it, but that's how a lot of people in D.C. and politics work. It's all like pure calculation. How, how can we just sliver out just enough to stay in power? Because what they're pursuing is not popular, you know. The Republican Party is the organization that cuts taxes for the wealthy and corporations and then cuts funding to Social Security, health care, public education, and infrastructure. Obviously, none of those things are going to benefit the common person working an hourly job. You know, they just don't. We know that. It, it, mean, it means that wealthy people have more money. It means that corporations are more powerful and have more discretionary money to play with that they can use to pay out dividends to shareholders or bonuses to the execs. No, they're not going to use it to provide benefits to the employees. The employees are an expense. And that's how the corporation views people who work for corporations. Yeah, because the corporation itself is not alive or human or whatever. It's, it's just an entity that exists and its purpose is to increase shareholder value. Republican Party is most concerned with those types of interests. 
you know, big massive corporate interest, how do they stay profitable and preferably increase their profits? And how do the people who own them continue to, you know, perceive receive massive benefit? And that's it. Yeah. How does it benefit the working class? Well, they, what they do is they, what the Republican Party will do is they kind of under, they, they understand that the working class person votes for people based off of how it's going to affect them. You know? So they want to vote for a person that's going to say things or more preferably do things that are going to benefit their interests. You know? So the Republican Party cuts taxes for the wealthy and corporations, and that's what they do. In fact, they already did it back in 2017 for the umpteenth time. And that's what they do. What they'll do is that they're going to say certain things to kind of make you think that that's going to benefit you. One way is to just say tax reform. You know, so to be kind of vague, just a sort of generic term that sort of, you can imply whatever you want on it. Yeah, oh, lower taxes. That's another good one. Lower taxes. For who? Not for you. <laughs> no. No, yours is going to stay the same. It might even go up a smidge. But the people making the most money, you know, who, who have net worths in the multiple millions, you know, earn hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a year just in interest alone, which is capital gains and is taxed at a much lower rate anyway. That specific group of people, they're going to get a lower tax rate thanks to the Republicans. And now we're close to five years after that happened. Guess who's wealthier? Billionaires. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg's got more money. Do you think it's related to the Republican tax cuts back in 2017? The answer is yes. It's directly related. The reason billionaires have even more billions is because we haven't figured out a way to kind of rein in absurd wealth. Virtu you know, there's virtually infinite wealth, and it's a number. It's a real number that you can get to that, like, you're done. You, you have to do nothing ever again, and you can maintain a very comfortable lifestyle in perpetuity forever, and, and you don't have to do anything. You, can, you annuitize a certain amount of money, and you're talking massive amounts of money that you can have coming to you every single month, tax-free virtually. Yeah, and, and that number is real, and it's way below a billion, you know. You can, you can easily have some of these people in the in the wealthiest class they can easily have certain annuities that can pay them you know three four million dollars five million a year forever and you know it's never going to run out those people don't need a tax cut you know but that's what the republican party did back in 2017 yeah the key thing is that is their primary focus. They don't really talk about that stuff a lot. And when they do, they use vague terms like tax reform, cutting entitlements. You know, they're, they're just sort of euphemisms for cutting taxes for the wealthy and corporations and then cutting funding to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, public education, and infrastructure. Yeah, that's what they do. In order to convince you, working class person, who is not going to benefit from wealthy people getting more money, they got to talk to you about a whole slew of other stuff. One of the methods they're using right now, starting up with a lot of Republican-endorsed candidates, is the Donald Trump actually won the election strategy. Yeah. 
So that's what they're going to tell you. So you're going to vote Republican because Donald Trump won. Yeah. And then once they're in power, they're going to make sure that wealthy people get more money. The corporations are even less regulated than they are now. Lower tax rates and such. And then uh, if need be, yeah, since there'll be less money coming in, let's cut infrastructure investment. Let's make sure that health care is not a right, nor education. Let's probably continue the war on drugs, though, because that costs a lot of money and it helps lock up minorities and keeps them in prison. And that's why cannabis is illegal. That's its purpose. So let's jump into that one real quick. Why is cannabis illegal? Uh, so the federal government can put minorities in prison. Yep, that's that's its purpose. Yeah, that's why it was created in the first place. So that, you know, police officers, if they see someone they don't like, they can arrest them, and then they maybe just, like, put some cannabis on them, you know, put it in their pocket or something. You know, a person of color, African-American, black person, any minority, any person they deem whatever. Yeah, that's kind of what happened right off the get-go. And then, of course, there's people who benefit from using cannabis. You know, you're caught growing, selling, or just having some on you. Boop, now you're a criminal. Yeah. But which specific group of people was police mostly focused on with the cannabis law? African American, yes. Yeah. So the purpose of the law was to lock up minorities and to put them in prison. That is its purpose. The other reason we know it's its purpose is because that has been the result. The vast majority of people in prison are in for drug-related crimes. Drug, quote-unquote. This includes cannabis. So the reason I call it cannabis is because that's the name of the plant. And cannabis is a plant. That is what it is. It needs to be taken off the list of Schedule One drugs. It's cruel and unusual punishment for federal government agents to put people in a jail because they were growing, selling, or just had in their possession a particular type of plant that helps people feel better. That is wrong, you know, and the government needs to stop doing that. It's a huge expenditure of money as well. You know, it's a loss of tax revenue because, you know, you know, able-bodied working-class people who maybe benefit from cannabis and are working full-time still while using cannabis. This is... Uh, I am one of those types of people, you know. During earlier in the year, I was working six days a week, landscaping and fencing. Certainly, consume a fair amount of cannabis. Kind of helps get through the days a lot easier when you're doing pretty vigorous manual labor. And uh, you know, staying in shape for vigorous labor certainly requires a pretty steady fitness routine. That's uh, probably around an hour or so a day before and after work, total or more. Uh, to be able to do the gig, you know. Cannabis certainly helps. Uh, I would also say, like, just test limits in my body. I've been an athlete most of my life. And I think uh, if I had been able to discover cannabis a little earlier and know the differences Tiva and Indica, you know, I don't know. I think, and especially giving up alcohol way earlier as a young person, because alcohol is one of the most dangerous drugs alcohol out there. Cannabis is just different. State of Washington, though, it is uh, regulated by the Liquor Control Board, even though cannabis is a plant that doesn't really have anything to do with alcohol. It's not even, they're, they're not really in the same ballpark at all. Two totally different things. Um, but, you know, it, 
it's what happens when you get a group of angry white men back in the 1930s that decide that the use of cannabis should be a crime unto itself. And they do indeed get that to happen. Decades later, it's still a thing, you know. 2022, you know. I mean, how many years are we into it to where the, the awareness of what cannabis actually is? Like, Washington State legalized cannabis in 2012. You know, like November 2012, I think it was, or something like that. It was quite a while ago, you know. Like, you can just go to the dispensary, show your ID, and you can buy some. Different brands, different types. How much THC and CBD and any other possible elements in there are in there. You know what you're getting. You can look at it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a very helpful plant, and the government needs to stop punishing people for using it. And the easiest way for all governments to stop is just take it off the list of Schedule One drugs. Just take that off. And as far as the worrying about how to whatever, you're just basically not doing something anymore. So, so yeah, we're, we're just not going to arrest people anymore because they have cannabis on them. We're not going to take the time to do that. No need to even intervene. There's just, there's, it's like a nothing. So just, let's just stop the thing that's kind of dumb and just stop doing that and then kind of work from there let the states kind of slowly work themselves out some states are, you know just you know they they move a little slower in some parts of the country and they still think that them cannabis smokers are, are, are gonna destroy humanity or something. I, I mean, I don't know. Wait. Um, it's, it's a weird one that that one's still going on, you know. I like uh, uh, with a fellow Gary. I think Gary Bradley, I think his last name is, running for representative in Louisiana. The Senate, I think. Seems like bright young star. Hopefully, uh, yeah, it's more people like that, you know. His campaign ad, he's smoking the blunt, and he's uh, you know talking about how many people are in jail for cannabis-related crimes, and primarily it is people of African descent. You know, African Americans are the main people being locked up in prison because again, that is why the law was created. You know, people, human beings have been using cannabis for a long, long time. You know, long time. There's no how the act in and of itself of just a plant existing becomes a crime insanity you know and the fact that it's been going on for decades is not really justification to keep doing it you know but that's part of the republican thing it's not only that they're like anti-investing in the foundation all the people doing all the work let's make sure when they get sick they can get healed quickly and not just workers comp bullshit no like People have access to health care. Just hospitals are there. If we have, you know, multiple billionaires who, whose job is to just be wealthy, I, I think there's enough money to make sure that there's plenty of hospitals to take care of people when they get sick. And there's plenty of people that want to work in a job in the healthcare industry to pursue a career in that. Plenty of people. 
you know. So it's a high demand service and it's a high demand career that plenty of people want to do. Pay there's a certain pay structure too, like the different disciplines you can get and the different experience and all that. You know, plenty of demand for people that want to work in healthcare. So you know, why not? You know. And it's something we already have. There are already hospitals that exist. So let's just make sure that they're available to people. They're appropriately staffed so that, yeah, when people get sick, they want health care, they can get it. So that might mean building more hospitals, sure, and getting more people trained up to be medical professionals. Yeah, we we might be understaffed, especially after the COVID stuff. There's even a lot of nurses that didn't make it through the COVID era, either, either from dying for COVID or suicide. Like the mental health exhaustion of seeing person after person dying and then some of those people like their final words being screaming about how they don't have COVID. It's just the flu and that's their final words. Anger, you know, anger and resentment over the fact that they're not dying of COVID as they're hooked up to a ventilator dying from COVID, you know, pure insanity. It all started because like this, you know, lazy ass ex game show host con man guy who was president of the United States just didn't really want to deal with it. It was too inconvenient for him to address the issue. There was this airborne illness that was coming our way. It was coming. And he's like, nah, when the sun comes out, it'll, it'll go away. He just wanted it to go away. And he just kept just moving on to the next day. And just kicking the can down. He couldn't deal with it. You know. He's a very weak person. You know. Who pretends to be strong. It's embarrassing. You know. It's just. It's so. Fr- it, it's, it was frustrating enough when he was just a dealer celebrity that existed in the world and was on TV way too much. That was enough. And it was obnoxious enough. And he got far enough in this world just being that way and got famous enough. But the fact that he actually got rewarded for all that, and not only that, but the enthusiastic doubling down again and again endorsement of the Republican Party, who by and large still to this day are, that's what they've decided to be, the organization that is Trumpism. You know? I mean... You know, and why not? They just keep itching closer and closer to this over the years, you know. They convinced a bunch of people back in the day that estate taxes were death taxes, you know. They had working class folks fighting against millionaires paying taxes when they die. Yeah. None of those people with the signs comparing Barack Obama to Hitler were millionaires. No. But that was a movement pot and paid for by the Koch brothers, barons of the coal industry, multiple billionaire folks who have just shit tons of money to throw around, including creating grassroots campaigns that appear to be, you know, working class funded people getting it going. But nope. It's kind of a blatant manipulating of working class people to convince them to vote for tax cuts for wealthy people and corporations. So that we don't have health care as a right. Or or can't because we don't have enough money for it. Because, you know, we, you know, the wealthiest people had to get more money. So now there's not enough money for hospitals and schools. 
My opinion is just the Republicans went too far. They've just pushed it too far. Now there's a level of absurdity to where they are now that, that it's like they think they can just keep getting away with it, you know, even to the point now of blatantly out in the open trying to restrict voting access. You know, they're really leaning into this fact that they're Trumpism. And Trumpism was and is American fascism. Trumpism represented fascism. Fascism is always a hating of the other and an oppression of the other through force and violence and or at least the threat of violence and force. It's a suppressing of free speech, the right to assemble. And it's also very propaganda heavy and a, uh, you know, casting out of all the other and that kind of thing. And then it, it catering very exclusively to the interest of an aristocracy. And those are a lot of the elements of fascism. You know, again, lots of violence and, you know, authority on the masses, you know, and anyone deemed other, anyone that just doesn't go along with it are going to be cast out pretty quickly, you know, through force. Yeah. And then uh, catering all the resources of that government to the interest of the ruling class. So that's what Trump, Trump was advocating for, you know. And he's just so dumb that it's just like he didn't use the word fascism, but like he he was he was leaning into it pretty heavy, you know. He's he's a big Mussolini fan, Hitler, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong Un. Yeah, he he really respects those kind of leaders that rule with in that kind of way, places that are not democracies by any stretch of the imagination. No. So. That's where we're at, though. You know, whatever people thoughts are on Joe Biden, it's like for me, it's like I haven't really. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a little quieter when I watch the news. Just get the little checkups on the presidency. I'm sure there's, you know, been some dull moments. He's probably said some dumb things here and there. But Joe, Joe Biden is a is a decent human being. He has his flaws, as we all do. None of us are perfect, but yes, Don, Joe Biden is a hundred times the man. Donald Trump is. We we all know that. The the idea that because he's got a D next to his name, you, you have to like try and pretend like he's some evil person. It's just no, he, he is that guy, you know, he is an empathetic, caring person. He really is. I know it it, it might confuse you cuz he's got a D next to his name and you're supposed to hate him and you're being trained to hate him because you watch Fox News and Infowars incessantly. And so they're training you to think that Joe Biden is just this awful human being. No, he's a, he's a decent human being. He has his flaws. I don't agree with every single one of his political decisions. And I certainly was not yearning for Joe Biden to be president. I was hoping for something a little newer and fresher, younger. But he's a good, decent man, you know. Like, same with Obama. Same with George H.W. George W. Same with... I don't have the quite the same level of decent man type stuff with Ronald Reagan. I have kind of... I think there's some character issues with Reagan. But, you know, you know, kind of going back to how he became famous in political you know, kind of the anti-communism thing back in the day, the Red Scare and all that, he was he was real active in that and kind of helping blacklist fellow actors because they were quote-unquote communist or whatever. Like, 
you know, people that were willing to engage in that kind of shit, blatant anti-democracy stuff under the guise of trying to protect democracy. Yeah, it gets kind of circular when you start like making communism illegal to think. <laughs> you're behaving like a communist, you know. Like, oh, you're not you're not believing the correct thing, so we're going to cast you out. You know, it's very. But he was involved in that kind of stuff. Jim Carter, good dude. Gerald Ford, mm, you know, Lynn Johnson, good. A lot of uh, Nixon, no. Uh, so either way, though, not every. There's plenty of good, decent human beings who've been president, who had R's next to their name. It's certainly not an R or D thing, but that's where we're at, where like people are feel compelled to, like, they they have to hate Joe Biden. And it just, it, it, it feels strained. Like, he's a decent guy. Like, George W., same. Although, you know, a lot of his political stuff I, I didn't agree with. I thought he was a good, decent human being. I thought he just got in a little over his head. His father... Very good, decent man. Again, a lot of his political views I don't agree with, but he was a, a good person, motivated, principled, ethical, moral, you know, made decisions with a certain level of, you know, a high level of thinking them out and processing things, you know. They were, they were thoughtful people. All the presidents prior to Trump, all of them, you know, even the ones I didn't agree with or don't think were great presidents, like George W., you know. Um, Trump's just not in that category. He's this weird anomaly now and it's 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 not going to be it's going to take a while for that anomaly to kind of soften or something it it because it's it's a weird outlier you know it's like he, he doesn't belong there it just looked off the entire time it was happening but it, it happened and he almost got in a second time very thankful that didn't happen So the hope is that, like, there's just a, a a lessening of the control the Republican Party has on our society. But, but, and not necessarily a, an increasing control that the Democratic Party has either, though. Like, it would be nice to just have more legit options. The Republican Party needs to lessen their stranglehold on our society. Um... Because it's it's a big massive entity that's actually like several pronged. It's not just the grand old party. It's also Rupert Murdoch, Fox News, Infowars, OAN Network. It's all together, you know. Not necessarily a conspiracy or some shit. It's just, you know, a lots of intermingling, you know, coordinating interests here and there to kind of have a certain particular message that's consistently when you break it down to the brass tacks, convincing you to continue to vote Republican. As long as you keep doing that, you know, that's good. But those various networks and such, they are, you know, bought and paid for and funded by very specific people with very specific interests, and that's why they're trying to convince you to vote Republican, because they have a very specific agenda. Republican Party is an organization that cuts taxes for the wealthy and corporations. The people who are in that organization know that and understand that. Now, they might have certain a certain code of conduct or what have you that sort of requires them to at least maintain some level of integrity and some level of, uh, you know, honesty. Adam Kinzinger is a good Republican. Probably don't, I probably don't agree with a lot of his political views, but 
He's one that's been willing to call out Trump when Trump lies, and a, and a lie is a lie, you know. Facts are facts. Well, the Republican Party as an organization is the organization that protects Donald John Trump. And there's been a few here and there. Mitt Romney occasionally will say something, you know, that is wrong. You know, he'll speak out against something that is wrong, you know. And of all people, Liz Cheney, who's not a not a moderate by any stretch, a very conservative Republican. And because those you know people like that who are still very Republican, the leadership has you know kind of tried to take away their power and stuff. So it's a it's a shitty situation because it's real deal impact on our lives. Do we have access to health care or education, or do the wealth people get wealthy get more money? Do we have to work even harder to maintain the same way of life that we're at now? Because the wealthy got more money? Or is there just a smidge more of a foundation that you can build off of? Just a smidge wider. Just a little bit more sturdy. You know, healthcare's right. Get sick and go get treated. Education's right. I'm two classes away from a second ma major in, mar in uh, management. I earned my marketing degree back in 2005, but I ran out of financial aid. So I, I finished my marketing degree in winter quarter 2005, and then instead of going in spring, I just, you know, just stopped going. I, I, I was done now, you know, because I'd ran out of financial aid. just happened to be that I'd skipped a quarter just right so that that was, it just ended right at the end of winter quarter. So that was it. Free education means, yeah, we're investing in public schools and public institutions of higher learning. People apply to those schools. Those schools have the same standards for acceptance and all that kind of stuff. None of that changes. In order to earn a degree, you would still have to go to the school and or online or whatever and you know pass your classes and stuff. It doesn't mean we're handing out bachelor's degrees to people. People would still have to earn their degree, and the school has every would still admit people based off of like certain acceptance standards and stuff and all that. Yeah, well, that's the same. It's just getting into those schools would have less to do with where you are in the socioeconomic ladder when you're 18 years old or older, for that matter. But that's that that part's irrelevant, you know, because the reality is for many people it whether or not to go to school after you're done with high school is mostly based off of whether you can afford it whether and whether or not if you have to borrow money do you honestly think you're going to be able to pay that back if need be but the main thing is the bugging party there's an organization that's against all that no we shouldn't have Healthcare is a right. No, we should not have education as a right. But the wealthy people do need more money. And what they're going to do is they're going to spend it. And then somehow, some way, it's going to slowly trickle down to the working class. And we should be gleeful about those small little bits that we get here and there. Okay. Now, some corporations are going to just decide to restructure with the extra money and might lay off about 10,000 people. You might be one of those people that loses their job because the Republican Party cut taxes for corporations. I suppose you're supposed to be happy about it because you're taking one for the team or something. That corporation can now restructure a little bit.
adjust its operating expenses, and now free up some more money to pay executive bonuses. But now you lost your way of life. you got to get a new job. And there's no universal basic income or anything. There's no safety net or cushion. Kind of kind of doubtful those 10,000 people had six months of savings ready to go to pay six months' worth of bills. I certainly don't. Will I ever get to that? That'd be neat. But uh, that's not really what uh, most in government are really focused on. There's plenty in the Democratic Party that aren't really focused on that kind of stuff. You know, they're kind of focused on other things, you know, really preserving corporate interests. I don't know. I've worked for a few corporations. I don't really think they're all that great. It can be kind of soul-draining, to be honest. Especially when you realize just how many rungs down on the ladder you are. Because when you work for corporate... One of the times I worked at uh, Comcast, they actually had the corporate hierarchy like on the wall. Like CEO, then the next level down, down. It was like sales account exec two was my title and worked in a cubicle taking inbound sales calls people saw the cool deal on the phone or the line or whatever and they call in about it and try to close the deal but I was about 10 rungs down the CEO that year Comcast probably made about 25-30 million dollars I was on pace to make forty-one five, forty-one thousand five hundred. I think it was a healthcare option, but it was one of those crappy ones. It was like you know, several hundred a month. I wasn't making enough to like get a proper place because you know it's the same you know first, last, and deposit and all that shit. So to try to save up several grand while you're not really. I mean, it's decent money, but it's not. It goes quick when you're not already situated. <laughs> we were living in hotels at the time and never able to get going. Had to bail, but the corporation got some value out of me. I'm sure I closed a few deals. I even, I even closed. I think I closed one quad play. <laughs> TV, phone, internet, and the uh, security system. I think. I don't know. I've already tried to block that shit out. I hate working in cubicles and call centers, but I've done it for uh, about four years altogether. Three and a half of the years were at Charter Communications, inbound call center retention specialist. People calling to cancel the cable for whatever reason. I was one of those guys that would try to convince you not to cable, not to cancel, and to ideally try to convince you to spend even more money. And quite a few times I did. I was pretty good at it. And it afforded me a, a schedule where I didn't really have to average 40 hours a week. I could easily duck out early here and there or skip an entire shift if it was slow enough and they would offer it. My best year, I averaged 34 hours a week. And I made, uh, actually, what wasn't my best year for earnings, but it was my favorite year there. I averaged about 34 hours a week and I made about 36,000 or something like that that was that was a good year you know but the only days I really remember at my time at Charter Communications inbound call center working in my little cubicle are really those days off and the the kind of each and every specific day staring at a screen talking to people on the fucking phone about their cable bill 
they all blur together. It was, uh, you know, once you become one of those cogs, man, it's like, is there a way to break out of this? And then you see those cogs that have been, they've become really efficient at being a good cog. And they work diligently 45, 50 hours a week. They take their two vacation weeks a, week, a year. And maybe right about the time that they're my age or a smidge older, they, maybe they're even getting close to retirement. Who knows? I won't say the one guy's name, but he was an extremely proficient call center agent. But you would never call in sick, never never took VTO, but he would take like two weeks a year because he would win a trip every year. He was the top agent on the floor. There wasn't anything super spectacular about him on the floor. He was just very natural and was very good at it. He had already been on the floor for 10 years. It was just kind of... Any job I'm doing, I always look at like, okay... Who's the best at it? What are they doing? You know, so so that's 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 like where that's the path to greatness or something or whatever. So that's what they're doing is might be what you're doing if you maintain this path, you know. So it's like a lot of times I'll be in a certain situation and be like, hmm. You know, I don't know if that's I think this might not be the path for me, you know? You might need to veer off in a different direction but I think that's one of the things is COVID time propelled this like podcast and stuff I've been writing more I'm hoping to eventually start work on a memoir of my goofy eclectic life of an ordinary person who also has epilepsy it's also related to the cannabis thing do have epilepsy, and one of the things that helped me a lot back in 2012 in Washington State Legalized Cannabis is just being able to access specific types of cannabis. You know, I found very quickly that sativa with high levels of CBD in it helped me immensely. Uh, and just a few short months after cannabis becoming legal in the state of Washington, I published my first book of poetry called uh, Let's Get Weird, A 33-Year-Old Boy Navigates the American Jungle. Uh, I think I might have fucked up the subtext there on that one just now, but <laughs> I can't remember the titles of my own books. But anyway, that one uh, available on smashwords.com. That one was uh, written kind of in a flurry. Just uh, gave up booze after, well, over a decade being a pretty, uh, pretty steady binge drinker. Eesh. Kind of switched the. Cannabis more, running more, and had a really good year, and then wrote a bunch. Although it was also a down year, too. I also got divorced and separated in that time, too. So, well, you know, it's ups and downs to life, twists and turns, you know, gutters and strikes and all that kind of thing, you know. So, keep taking it one day at a time, but with like a goal towards something. My goals have just never. The, the material goals just never really were that appealing, especially when, like, the path to get there is so arduous and stuff. It's like, I'm not going to work that fucking hard just to get some fancy house. Fuck that. I've been in some fancy houses. I mean, they're neat. They're fun to visit. And actually, I live in a pretty fancy house right now. It's plenty fancy. But thankfully, there's other people that live there, too. It's not just a big fancy house by myself. 
That'd be kind of weird. But, um, yeah, mine's more like, I don't know, being able to flow more easily, having some sort of impact on people not having to spend their life working for a corporation, you know, because corporation doesn't care about you. It's just trying to increase profits. You know. It pretends to care. That's called marketing, you know. When you see the commercials about the people people gleefully like skipping through the Walmart, they're so excited to shop there. I mean, some of those people exist in real life, but bulb into a fucking Walmart. Fuck, I hate going to Walmart. Oy. Let's make sure the Walton family stays billionaires, everybody. Every town need to ha needs to have its own locally owned grocery store. And then if you're a big enough town, maybe even a second or a third. There's no reason for that grocery store to be Walmart, though. Why do that? There's no, like, farms or anything in your area. There's no locally anything, like, within the region. You don't have to sell out. You don't have to, like, have all your money going to a store and then that money leaving and, and not really coming back, at least not as much that would if the was a small business owned and operated in your town. If all the owners of your town, of your grocery stores and stuff, live in your town, where do you think they spend their money at? Their businesses in your town. As well as investing in various other things in your town, you know. So, you know. The corporation, though, the execs of your corporation, they, they don't really care about your specific town where that corporate location is. Again, they'll pretend to, and that's called marketing. Yeah. Where, you know, but they'll, like in my hometown, they cleared out some wetlands, clear-cut a bunch of forest land nearby and stuff um, to put in a Walmart. And then once the Walmart came, Home Depot came later, Big Five, Applebee's, um, Office Max, which later went out of business, now it's an empty Office Max, you know. Um so yeah, more corporate presence in my hometown. It's just faster paced and dirtier and just kind of meh. Could be a cool place. It really should be, given where it's located. Northern tip of Whidbey Island, but it just kind of decided to not do that and decided to sell out uh, right as I was graduating high school. So it's kind of a bitter subject. Corporates, especially Walmart, that specific you know, they just had to come to town. I was already kind of starting to understand the impact that corporations have on our society and stuff, you know. Um, they just, they suck, you know. They kind of drain the unique qualities of things of a specific area away and replace it with this cookie-cutter format. Blah. Big block store, you know parking lot can't be easily accessible as a pedestrian it has to be purely just as a car so like once you get out of the car you're kind of like keeping your head on a swivel there's not really anywhere to walk but it's purely to just maximize the number of cars that can pack park in there you know fucking walmart so anyway Hopefully more people just, just stop voting Republican. Maybe Libertarian, although they have their issues too, but just, it starts with just more people got to turn off Fox News and start seeking out other information sources. CNN and MSNBC have their flaws as well. 
Uh, I don't certainly don't rely fully on them. Um, they're sort of pretend to be liberal. They're not actually liberal. They're corporate-owned news stations. That's why we understand our world in a particular way. That's why the word bipartisanship seems so, you know, lofty and important. Oh, it must be bar bipartisanship. They they kind of promote that kind of stuff, and they kind of present things in a certain way to kind of protect corporate interests. Yeah, you, you know. So MSNBC and CNN and all that, they're not really like liberal or whatever. They're, there's different perspectives for sure, but Democracy Now! is probably your most liberal news source. They basically just air stuff that's going on almost completely unfiltered. It's pretty jarring, you know. Uh, yeah, they, they, don't, they just don't sugarcoat anything. You know, it's just, boop, this is what is going on here. And you see it. And, you know, and then they, real, they really delve into stuff. Well, PBS NewsHour is another good one, too. Um, then I also like uh, the Young Turks as well. Um, so that's kind of, but I bounce through all those. And then, of course, various reading articles as well. If, especially when they're referencing a specific article in the news clip. I'll go back and actually read the specific article. You know, it's just to stay in tune, you know, and doing that, like, gives you a good perspective. Avoid any uh, news outlets that's claiming itself to be the truth and the only truth. Avoid that, because that should be a red flag. Yeah, because there is no one truth in that way. Like, what, this is our way of saying what's happening is the only way to hear it or something. That's what they're really saying, you know. People got to start... <laughs> Start avoiding that, you know. Stop catering to the whims and desires of Rupert Murdoch. Well, I hope everyone's here starting off well. Stay safe out there. Get vaccinated if you're not already. Got boosted a while back. Yesterday? Yesterday. And I uh, feel great. Yeah. It's slight soreness in my left arm, I guess. But been drinking lots of water. I hiked to the top of a mountain today with my daughter, so we're yeah feeling fine and good. So it's not not really any big deal if you're a healthy, active person, especially. So you know, do what you gotta do so that you don't die from COVID, because that would suck. All right. Um, God bless. This is Gary. Thinking out loud. <laughs>